Um, yeah, so while I was reading the scripture this week, uh, the idea of faith and trust kept coming to me, and it made me think of moments in my life where I trusted God and when I had a lack of trust. Um, the first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about it was my call. Um, I became a Christian at 18, like everybody knows, and um, shortly after conversion, becoming a Christian, God told me that I would be a pastor. And uh, I just didn't trust that I heard him correctly. I, I didn't trust that God could use me to be a pastor in his church. Um, so that was a moment of lack of trust for me. And another big thing which still um, happens for me now is a lack of trust when it comes to paying bills, just in general. Um, I think it's this little bit of a scarcity mindset that I have that if I pay this bill, then the money won't be available later when I need it for something else. And that was a major thing, um, you know, when we first got married and we were on our own and raising kids, um, often I would say, well, I'll pay that later if the money is there. But often the money wouldn't be there anymore because it was spent on something else and a bill wouldn't get paid. and the lack of trust was just that God wouldn't provide for everything that we needed. And the easiest thing was not to pay the bill. So I wouldn't do that. And I would wait. Um, and then I think, uh, something that was really hard for me is it's, um, entrusting my family to God. So entrusting BJ and the boys to God and, um, trusting that, that he would be real for them and and yeah, that they would have their own relationship with God. That was something that I had a lack of trust of and even when the boys were really young, I was afraid that they were gonna sin, <laughs> which was a very naive um, mindset to have because they would sin. God made it clear, you know, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but that the grace that was sufficient for me would be sufficient for BJ and the boys as well. So those were areas of lack of trust. But at the same time, I think there were moments of trust that I had in God. Um, one, the first one being when my friend Katie shared uh, the gospel with me, which was in the Toys R Us break room when I was 18 years old. And um, so for the first time that I really put my trust in God as savior, as the one, um, who created me and um, that I was designed for a relationship with him and he wanted that relationship with me and um, so I trusted that that was all true and then uh, trusted God finally at 27 with the call to be a pastor to be in, in ministry to do that um, yeah then that call led us to moving to Kingswood, which was another like kind of big risk moment for us. But it was really clear at the time that God was saying, you know, it was time for us to leave Halifax and move to Kingswood and finish my degree there. So we said yes to him. And even though it was a really scary moment for us and then trusted him with moving here to Boston, which was another big risk. It's still a risk. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't know how that's all going to come to an end, but uh, there were definitely moments that we trusted him for that. 
So I am gonna ask everybody in here, now I've had the advantage because I've had some time to think about it, but can you think of moments where you would say you lacked trust in God and then are there moments where you would say that you did trust God, like big things that stand out in your mind? So you don't have to share, but if you want to share them, you can. But I maybe try to think of one for each category. So when you didn't trust, there was a lack of trust, and then eventually you saw God move in that area, and then on the other side is when there was trust. So I'll just give us a minute to think about that. Anybody want to share? I can share. Okay, so a time when you had a lack of trust. Most of the time. Most of the time. Can you think of a moment where you did trust? Not really. Do you think you've had moments where you needed to trust that you like that were obvious to you, or do you feel like you haven't yet had that happen? You haven't had that happen? Okay. Cool. Anybody else wanna share? So the question um, that came to mind as I was writing this out was, how do we grow in our faith and our trust in God? So we're going to look at Leviticus 26, starting in verse 3, and go to 13. Um, so it says, If you follow my statutes and faithfully observe my commands, I will give you rain at the right time, and the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until sowing time. You will have plenty of food to eat and live securely in your land. I will give you peace to the land, and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will pursue a hundred, and a hundred of you will pursue ten thousand. Your enemies will fall before you by, my, by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old grain of the previous year and will clear out the old to make room for the new. I will place my residence among you and I will not reject you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. So anybody want to guess how many promises God made in those verses? Just a ballpark number. 26. Wait, hold um, on. 12. 12? Hold on, I have a 
Well, Travis, you got it right. God made 26 promises. Really? Yeah. What's my prize? <laughs> Air high five. Oh, real high five. Come on, don't leave me hanging. How did I get that right? I wasn't even reading. <laughs> yeah, so there's 26 promises in there. And we find, see in verse 3 that there was a condition to all of those promises. And it was, if you follow my statutes and faithfully observe my commands. And then all of those promises that followed, he said he would do. The covenant relationship that God gave to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and now that he's giving to the Israelites, was called a Suzerian Fassel. Say that ten times fast. Okay. Thank you, Travis. Um, so Suzerian Fassel covenant means that there's one person who is kind of the follower in that covenant and somebody who would be a leader in the covenant. And a covenant is a little bit different than a command, or sorry, not a command. A covenant is a little bit different than a contract in that contracts are usually between inanimate objects and a person. So like when you buy a car and you go to the bank and you ask for money, you're signing a contract with them because they're giving you money and you're saying, I'm going to pay this money back. So you're making a contract and in exchange for that contract, you get a car. But a covenant is usually between people. So I made a covenant with BJ when we got married and I gave vows and he gave me vows and we promised things to one another and we entered into a covenant. And as followers of Christ, when we say yes to relationship with Jesus, we enter into a covenant. Um, and like he said in the verses, it's, um, I will be your God and you will be my people. So in this Suzerian vassal covenant, we are saying that we are allowing God to be the leader and that we will be the follower. And in verse 12, like I said, it says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Um, I think it was the last, not maybe two times ago when I was preaching, I talked about uh, there's kind of this thing in our culture right now that is trying to get rid of any hierarchy. Um, everybody wants to be equal um, and equitable. Um, but what we're seeing in the scriptures is that with God, this is a hierarchical relationship. He is saying, I'm going to be the leader. You're going to be the follower. But the thing is, it can be really hard to follow somebody that you don't trust. I think that's safe to say, like, I didn't marry and enter into covenant with BJ until our relationship was strong enough that I trusted him, that I would do that. And like I said before, when I said yes to Jesus in the Toys R Us break room, I was saying yes to this relationship and this covenant, but um, my, the picture of what that looked like was actually very small and quite naive. But as I got to know God more, my understanding of being in this covenant relationship with him grew, but also my trust in him grew. Have you heard this or have you ever said, I will, tr I will obey God when I trust him more? Have you ever thought that? Yeah. So I will obey God when I trust him more. But what we're seeing in the scripture is that obedience is the thing that leads to greater trust and faith in God. 
1 John 5, 3 to 4. Travis, you want to pull that up for us? It says, For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. So put that back up just for a second, Travis. So it says, this is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. So faith in God, that's our trust in God, conquers the world. But the interesting thing that we have to remember is without God, we are the world. We are byproducts of this world when we are living in sin. We take on the values, beliefs, and morals of a culture that is in rebellion to God. So when we look out into the world, sometimes we can see things of God that um, resonate with our spirit that are inherently good. But then there are things of our culture that we look at and we would say the values, beliefs, and morals of this people, of this culture, of this subgroup are in rebellion to God. Our flesh, which means like our sinful nature, without um, God's grace in our life, actually wants to be in rebellion to God. There's something about um, our nature that wants us to rebel and disobey. So not just rebel, but disobey. So, But when we obey God, we are fighting against our flesh in the world. That's what the scripture is telling us. Put it back up just for a second, Travis. So this is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. So it's our trusting God that'll, that um, fights against our flesh in the world. And what we're seeing is that this actually leads to greater faith. So again, we often will say, when I trust God more, I will obey him. But what scripture is telling us is that actually in order to trust God, we have to obey him. We have to obey first and then the trust will come as we walk with him. So how will you grow in trust? We grow through obedience. So there are general commands that we are called to obey. Um, one resource that I have that has been helpful for me is called the Commands of Christ. Uh, so if there's anybody watching this video later, anybody in here that is like, well, what are the Commands of Christ? Um, I do have this resource that I'd be happy to work through um, with everybody, uh, just lays out some of the commands of Christ in the New Testament and what it means to be uh, New Testament followers of Christ. But then there are specific commands that God will give us as we walk with him. So like Travis, earlier you said up until this point, God hasn't asked you specifically to do something. But what happens is that God knows when we're ready to hear these commands. And I mentioned before, you know, I had the call to ministry at 18. Um, there was a part of me that was ready to hear that, but there was also a part of me that disobeyed, that didn't follow through with what I was hearing from God. And I don't think it was necessarily sinful, but there was just so much still about um, the world and the flesh of me um, that wanted to disobey or wanted to not necessarily disobey but didn't believe that God would ask me to do something like that and so I didn't trust him that he was calling me and that he would equip me to do the work that I felt like he was asking me to do 
but then there was a season um, of growth and then at 29 he called me again when I was ready so I think I needed to have that seed planted all those years earlier so that when the time came for God to call me again I was like oh right I remember when he did that when I was 18 and you know if he's saying it again this is probably I could trust then that it was of him and not just of me Jesus tells us in his word if you love me you will obey my commands and again our culture is all about love but it's more about the emotional love the love that we feel romantic love um, but when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my command, he's not talking about, um, it's not an adjective, or, um, but it's a verb. It's him saying that if you love me, you'll do something about it. You'll obey my commands. So it's an action and not a feeling. So just some questions um, to close us off is what does God want you to do? So has God been... Travis says, you know, God hasn't been saying anything to him lately, but is there something that God has been asking you to do that you've been hesitant? Or maybe your response is, well, God, I will do that once I trust you more. Um, so what does God want you to do? And are you going to do it? Are you going to obey his command? Because he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So if we do this, so if we love him and we obey his commands, there are things that happen. It means that we are God's people who are set apart. So in the verses in Leviticus that we're reading, um, even when we were doing the Bible study, right, Travis said there's some parts of this that don't quite make sense to me. But what God was doing at that time was he was creating a people that were set apart for him. So when Moses was up on Mount Sinai and getting all the instructions to give to the people is because God was choosing this group of people for that time, for that season in his redemptive story to be his people set apart for him. But now, because of what Christ has done, we all are a part of this new Israel is what um, the scriptures call it in Romans. And so we are now God's set apart people and we we enter into that by saying yes to covenant with him um, but also we continue to develop um, who we are as a people by saying yes to God and being obedient to the things that he asks us to do so if we do this we are God's people set apart but we also won't look like the world and there's a saying you know that we are to be in the world but not of the world and I do believe that Somewhere along the way, there was a group of believers, and some still exist now, that believe to be set apart means that we have to be completely separate from the world. Um, but that's not what Jesus is saying, and that's not what he did when he came. He hung out with um, the, the oppressed, he, the poor. Um, he was known as a friend of sinners, and I think that that's how we should be known. We should be in the world. We should be a light in the darkness. Um, but that doesn't mean that we conform to the world. Um, it means that we conform to the likeness of Christ. And we do that by being obedient to the Father. Jesus even said, I only ever do what the Father is doing. So as we grow, we hopefully are able to say that, you know, 
every day, what do you want me to do, God? Okay, and then live that out and say, like Jesus did, I only ever do what the Father is doing. So if you look around, you know, we're coming out of COVID, there's so many things happening. The world doesn't really seem to be doing so well anyway. <laughs> so if there is a time for us not to want to be like the world, I think it's pretty clear right now that there are things that are broken in our world. There are systems that are broken in this world. And um, so in a way, it makes sense to me that we wouldn't want to be like this anyways. So I guess the encouragement that I'd like to leave us with today is to live um, different than the world, to show them people living for something other than themselves. Because I think what happens is a lot of the brokenness that is in our world is because we're too inward focused and we're worried about um, what we're doing and what we're about. Um, but if we can, yeah, take on the likeness of Christ and, and live as people who are obedient to Jesus, to Jesus, to, to God, then we'll be people who live for something other than ourselves. And I think the watching world will notice that. Um, and hopefully, yeah, they'll see people that love them, love themselves and love their God. And I think that's what God wants for us. So yeah. Would you join me in prayer just as we close out? Um, God, I thank you um, for the truth of your word. I think I am, uh, I don't know, I don't even want to say I'm guilty of it, but I know that I have said that when I trust you more, I'll obey you more. Um, but it, there's so many things about who you are and what we read in your word that is um, counterintuitive um, to us, especially if we are giving in to our flesh and if there is sin in our lives. But um, from your word today, we see that our, our trust and our faith will grow because we are obedient to you. Um, and what I've seen you do in, in my life is You've been gracious. You've been gentle. Um, you've been, you've convicted me. Um, I have felt guilt um, when I have not obeyed you, um, and that all of that is okay because it has gotten me to where I am today. And I know when I look back five years from now, I'll still see times maybe where there was a lack of trust, but um, but I know I'll also see a God who's been gracious and good to me and journeyed with me as I figured you out more and, and as I figured myself out more and as I was transformed more by your your grace. Um, so I just say help me, help all of us um, journey with us and help us to, to trust you um, through acts of obedience. Um, yeah, even now I'm just remembering things that were really scary to me when I first started following you. Um, and now, 20 years later, don't seem so scary anymore. But that's because um, my trust has grown as you've been faithful to me. And I thank you for that. And I pray for similar stories um, and uh, for those who have just 
maybe started exploring you and following you, but also those who have been following you for a while, um, I pray that through their obedience um, to you that their trust would grow and um, just that the beauty of who you are and just how you uh, relate to your people would just grow and, and be more of a reality. Yeah, we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Well, Travis, you can go to the next set of scripture. Um, something I thought we would start doing at the end of our gathering is looking at um, these verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, as our benediction. Um, what benediction means is it's like the sending. Um, so that, you know, the church is meant to gather and worship together, but um, once that is done, we're sent back out into the world. Yes. I have a little, I want to share a little factoid. Benediction means well sang well in sang. Latin. Okay. Cool, thanks. Um, so yeah, we use the benediction as a sending, as a way to go out into the world and be the scattered church again. Um, so yeah, let's just look at this together. Second Corinthians 5, 17 to 21 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So this is our encouragement. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we have received the ministry of reconciliation because of Christ, and now we go out as ambassadors for Christ and plead on his behalf, be reconciled to God. So that's our sending for tonight. If you're watching online, if you um, are in the Boston area and you want to join us, we'll be gathering again in about two weeks, and we'd love to have you with us. Um, you can send us a private message, and I'll give you the details for all of that. Um, so yeah, have a great day, and hopefully, we'll, if we don't already know you, we'll be able to meet you in person sometime soon. Thank you. And that, please.